I'm Nathan. And I'm Sandow 12. And this is Henshin Man, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we're discussing the special Ultraman vs. Kamen Rider. It's a momentous occasion here at Henshin Man, so I had to bring on an equally hardcore <laughs> tokusatsu fan here with me. A gentleman whose YouTube channel I stumbled across randomly because apparently the YouTube overlords and their all-knowing, almighty algorithm decided I needed some more physical media reviews in my life. <laughs> but sound out 12. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, I'm glad to be here. It's always it's always fun get like being a guest on a podcast because uh-huh. I don't actually have to do much work. I can just kind of show up and talk. <laughs> you know, I, I've edited podcasts before. I'm like, I don't have to do any of that part. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? This is why I love being on other podcasts. I just have to show up. <laughs> I just roll in, just talk a little bit. You know? <laughs> Sometimes I just recycle the research I already done on my show, you know? <laughs> Or if I have to do new research, I just take that research and use it on my show to save myself trouble on that one. But anyway, yeah. So like I said, you're 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 a YouTuber. I you do a lot of other things on your channel, but like I said, I discovered you through your physical media reviews because we are both hardcore physical media collectors and i one of the i just love i was telling you this before we started recording but i like i loved your stuff because you actually are like i'm not here to tell you whether or not this movie or this show is any good i'm not reviewing that i'm telling you is this particular release of it worth your money yeah i kind of like to focus on that some some there's a bit a couple people that are like oh why don't you review the show itself i'm like i don't know because i have no time after i'm going through the specs and everything. I'm like, look, you will know if you want to watch the show or not, but let's, let's find out. Is this release good? Is it worth your time and money? And you know, what's the good and bad of it? You know, is it, Oh, these subtitles are bad, but the overall video quality is good. So it balances out. Or is it the subtitles are bad? The video quality is bad. The audio quality is bad. And you probably shouldn't buy it. I kind of like to try to balance it out a little bit. So it doesn't get so bogged down. Like, you know, Oh, you know, if you already know common writer black, you don't really need somebody explaining, oh, what is Common Rider Black? You kind of want to get more, all right, is this Blu-ray release of Common Rider Black worth it? Mm-hmm. And then I'll do other videos where I talk about, like, the shows. I'll do tier lists or watch guides mm-hmm. or that yeah, kind of I've thing. Wa- and then and that kind of, like, balances it out. Like, you know, if I, if I do a guide on how to watch Common Rider, I'll go over, like, each show at that point. And then, when I, you know, that way I have correlating stuff with the physical media but mm-hmm. i, I kind of like to focus on the physical media in, oh yeah 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 and media. you've done some toy reviews as well i've seen that i've done a lot of toy reviews kind of like it's weird because i i have like more of a distinctiveness with the physical media but the toy reviews are the thing that keeps the channel going more consistently viewership wise because kind of like where i started and so then it's like I've, I've transitioned to be 
you know, it's not quite 50 50 yet, but I'm trying to like get it towards like half physical media, half toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just finding that, that little bit of a balance. But mm-hmm. the, the tokusatsu stuff in particular has been kind of like a specialty of mine. Mm-hmm. To oh yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And I, I'm, your Cleopatra saga has probably doubled your <laughs> your viewer base at this point. Because I think so. You I like so. me, like me, <laughs> Cleopatra and their shit Ultraman Blu-ray. Uh, that still, that, that, that was my favorite whipping boy for months. And then hilariously, when they finally got it right, took them three tries. And about yep. three months, but they finally got it right. And then suddenly the Canucks at what was it? Ravenburger, Ravenburger show up and they're like, ha, hold my beer. Or in this case, hold my maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) I hope to review the release. Like I'm, I mean, I'm planning to get it and, and, and review it because it'd be really nice to kind of like cap off the Shin Ultraman saga with here's the good one. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what it's supposed to have new subtitles. The cover yeah. is infinitely better. Like I, I would almost, I would, if it was exactly the same as Cleopatra, yeah. but with, but but with a subtitle menu that isn't nightmare inducing, and 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 that cover, I would probably buy it just for that cover. It is yeah. the cover is so much better. It's gonna look nicer with the Mill Creek stuff than the than Cleopatra's case that caves in on its own weight. <laughs> And it look it as you pointed out in your review, it's like this looks like a bootleg, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it I, doesn't I, even have Superaya's logo that. on it. Yeah, people get mad when I say this looks like a bootleg with official releases, but I'm just calling it as it is. Like, even if you know, it's like, oh, it's not Shout's fault that the Sentai DVDs look that way. Yeah, but they still look that way. <laughs> still... You know, it's, it's sure it's Toei's fault, but that's bad on Toei as well. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, so I have really appreciated your input because you're the guy who's like, I'm going to figure out everything. Or I'm going to let you know, is this worth it? You know, like you did the well, the when the, the Ninja Turtles set for the 2003 yes. came out and you're like, the show looks really good on this crazy DVD set. The movie looks awful. It's one of the yeah. worst looking things I've ever seen. Just go buy the individual DVD. Like, really? It can't be that. And then you showed your screenshots like, oh, God. Yeah. How that, did that, that video, get released? That video was nine hours of research to figure out all the censorship cuts, how many episodes, what order the episode should be in, what versions of the movie existed, and then going and screen capping from the original DVDs to the new DVDs to the Paramount Plus screening to finding out if there's any difference between any of them. It was a whole nightmare. But it, it's like it's like a 40-minute documentary of here is every version of this release, and uh, you can decide if you want to buy it. I don't care if you buy it or not at this point, but just here's all of the, the things I've researched. And, yeah, I kind of I like to do that kind of stuff. With something like Ninja Turtles, there's been a ton of releases. With Tokusatsu, it's usually like, well... It's either this or nothing, and it's always kind of a bit of a bummer. Yeah, a little bit, but then there, there are some, you know, like the, some of the Ultraman stuff has mm. a couple of editions that you could technically get. I mean, I yeah. the first time I watched the original Ultraman was the BCI really? No, is it BCI or VCI? BCI. BCI. Yeah. That was the BCI set that, well, initially only was only half the show, and then mm-hmm. they did a later edition that had the whole thing. But you find out that, yeah, the first six episodes look really good and the rest don't. <laughs> yeah, I had that release too. And I, I could tell from like 
the seventh episode. I think I stopped watching because I was like, oh, this looks really yeah. bad. And honestly, I mean, I had that because that was the only way mm-hmm. I could watch it. And I still bought the Mill Creek Blu-ray because I'm like, yeah. it's going to look better. And it does. And I was going to part with that one, but I'm like, it has special features. Yeah, the special feature and the dub. And the dub. The BCI did have the dub and a complete dub as opposed to the Mill Creek, where apparently they've lost some of the tapes at Subaraya. Yep. So they can't release a complete Yep, they're trying to find them. Yeah. They're trying to find them, so I'm like, I can't get So I only got like half of the dub episodes on a couple weird collections. Yeah, so I was like, I'm going to have to keep these, aren't I? (laughs) And that's the other thing, too, is... (laughs) <laughs> the 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 downside to also like covering the stuff so extensively is I'm like oh right I gotta buy all the compilations of things I have already because I need to review them to figure out you know are they worth it or not yeah and, like the Ultraman versus Red King set I was like I'm not I don't need to buy that and then I was like all right I should buy it for the video and then people were like oh glad you covered this because we were curious about like oh is this episode from this non HD show look any better on the Blu-ray and that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. most review sites won't even cover that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, was, I was gonna tell you, it gets really frustrating. I've there are it, you and I think maybe you know, at least a couple of other guys who do mm-hmm. whole channels dedicated to physical media and covering news with physical media and reviewing physical media releases. I was like, this is what I need because Amazon's not gonna help me because the people because for one thing, Amazon just consolidates everything into one yeah. thing. So I could look at a review. It'll be like, it's all one star reviews, but it's because of an awful DVD release of it and not for this yeah. vastly superior Blu-ray. And even then you go on there and most of the time people are just reviewing the show or the movie itself. I'm like, I don't care about your opinion on the thing. I just need to know if this is a good product. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the kind of thing to get is like, that's the core of what I do with the reviews is like, let me get to like, is this a good release is the first question I try to answer. And then now, and lately, like when I first started doing them, I would just like talk about them. But then I realized like, you know what? I should take screenshots if I can or film off my TV. If it's like a Blu-ray because mm-hmm. doing Blu-ray screenshots is, is tricky, but it's like, it's just something I've added to like the more comments I get, you know, like, Oh, Hey, you know, I get kept getting questions about this on some releases. So then the next video, I'm like, let me make sure to include that up mm-hmm. front. My biggest thing now is I need to call out region codes because <laughs> I keep getting comments. Is this region A? Is this region B? Is it all region? I'm like, I need to start saying that up front. Yeah, uh, well, and, and, like, and even that's a little unreliable because I have actually bought what mm. are supposed to be region B Blu-rays from Britain and they still work. Yeah. yeah At true. least it's, in a PS4. I don't know about, about elsewhere. Yeah. It, it also depends. Yeah, it depends on what player you have and... Yeah, it's you know, just really bizarre. Disc. Like, I got the yeah. Arrow video release of the Giver. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, this is a British thing? Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. Stuck it in. Worked fine. Yeah. I feel like Arrow video, like, puts, like, region B, but they don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it may be re- well, legally, but but I also B. But I also got a Madman th- collection, a Blu-ray collection of a bunch of Harryhausen movies. They worked. Yeah. I had a friend who bought me the, the uh, technically the British version of this universal monsters set mm. that looks exactly the same as the U S version. He just found it for cheaper. <laughs> That's wild. And he bought that for me as like a, as a Christmas gift, I believe. And I'm like, is it going to work? Stuck it in. 
work fine. Yeah. They all work fine. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to argue because this is a really nice set. <laughs> yeah. As, if and it that, works, that's I, why I also care. like 4K too because 4K discs are by nature region free. They're like by nature all region. You have to work really hard to actually region code them because they're just designed not to be. And so it's like anytime I'm importing a 4K, I'm like, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> question it. Yeah, it, you know, it's going to work. But the other thing that's kind of funny is that Japan, uh, Japan is in a different DVD region, but they're in the mm-hmm. same Blu-ray region. So you can actually buy Japanese Blu-rays and yeah. they'll work fine. You just most likely won't have subtitles. <laughs> a lot of the Gundam Blu-rays recently in Japan come with sub like English subtitles. So I've been I've been importing those because I'm like, ah, I don't know if they were going to get, you know, made if they're going to do like a, a North American release. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to import that one. I'll import that movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's worked out. They're they're more expensive, but it, it's better than not having the disc. Right, right, right. Yeah, but anyway, you know, we're not here to talk about the virtues <laughs> of physical media. Although I had an experience this week, I mentioned to you before we went on, before we mm-hmm. started recording, that uh, one of my day jobs is I'm a substitute teacher. Well, I, I had here's a illustration of why physical media is superior to streaming. This week, on Monday and Tuesday, I was subbing for the same class. It was an English class. They're about to study Macbeth, so their teacher was going to have them watch Throne of Blood, the, Ka- oh, the Kurosawa film, because it yeah. was based on Macbeth. All right? And they were going to watch it for over the course of the two days that I was subbing. I'm like, oh, this will be great. Well, she had bought it on Amazon Prime, and she was going to. I had to get on her laptop and get it up on the screen. They were going to watch it. Went fine day one. Day two, the school had... Wi-Fi issues. Mm. So the teacher had to actually tell people, like, hey, have them do this instead because I couldn't show them the movie and I was striving to do it. Then today, I subbed in a different English class where they had to watch a documentary. It was Super Size Me, the the 2004 documentary. Mm. And the teacher, because she's smart, had a DVD and there was a Blu-ray player in the room that was internet proof. I could just stick it in, no problems. Yeah. Now the kids are all trying to be funny. It's like, well, what if you took a sledgehammer to? It's like that will destroy everything, sir. You could take a sledgehammer to a router too. Yeah, you could take a sledgehammer to a router. You could take a sledgehammer to your computer. Take a sledgehammer to your phone. You could take a yeah. sledge- sledgehammer. Never, wins never, most never doubt the benefit of physical media, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but they. I feel sorry for the Zoomers because I, I feel like they have missed out. Like, they don't automatically mm-hmm. think. They always think about streaming. They don't think. The panics that I see on social media when a movie <laughs> is relieving a streaming service. And I just want I just want to film a little video with my phone where I just, where I just walk over to my shelf, pull it off of the shelf, go over, stick it in my PS4. Yeah. And just let it play, just to illustrate to them how easy it is. Mm. (laughs) I have it forever, guys. (laughs) Yeah, if you love something, if you love something enough that you could, you want to watch it at any time without anybody telling you what 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 you can do with it, and it's released on physical media, have it. Yeah, (laughs) always have it. Supposed to not. Yeah, which is why I kind of love what Discotech is doing, where it's like like they have black and uh, Camerata Black and Black RX, and they're like. It's Blu-ray only, guys. We're not. Yeah. You can't stream this anywhere. You buy it from us. And they, and they don't even. And they don't even do DVD anymore. They're like just Blu-ray. 
Yeah, you know, they've, they've, they're pushing forward, and it, they'll and they'll put you know if it's standard definition, they'll still put it on Blu-ray. It'll just be on like one or two, one or two discs. Yep, yep. And what really gets me is like they actually market it that way. Like uh, what yeah. I, you stick in the first disc of both of those sets, and the first thing that plays is this little thing that's just like just them doing a general advertisement for yeah. multiple titles that they have, and they punctuate it by saying, well, "What is it like the." Like the cl- like classics are forever, and Blu-rays so are, are forever. And so are, are the classics, and so are classics. And it's so it's like bam, right there. Like I was like, yep. you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You guys were say, made for people for like me, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they release the most obscure stuff, and it's like sometimes I'm like, I don't know what these things are, and then sometimes it'll be like Blue Comet SPT Lasner, and then I just lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the first beat of the theme song played in one of their streams, I just started screaming for a minute and a half. <laughs> I mean, they're the, J- Discotech is the company that has the guts to be like, oh, we'll release Change Man Ken. Yes, one of the most yeah. infamously bad animes ever. And you'll just buy it from us because we know you will. Oh, yeah. if, if for no other reason than the memes it's like it's like it's like the morbius effect but it actually works yeah. <laughs> 30 30 percent of what i own from discotech i had no idea ever existed or have even watched but it's just i bought it because they sold it to me really well i was like i know it's a good release i'm gonna get it it's like I, whoever when I was reviewing black and black rx's blu-rays it was kind of hard to come up with talking points beyond it's good yeah <laughs> it's, it's there's no there, i have no complaints guys yeah. it's just it's like i don't have any works. complaints i can just tell you what's here and what's not here and yeah show you the subtitles but i, I don't have anything bad to say because yeah it's a solid release yeah just just buy it get over yourselves and just buy it now you would normally say like go buy it on right stuff you'll save like 50 bucks and that well more like 30 but you'll still, you'll save a bunch of money oh, that's and so now right shame. stuff is dead <laughs> moment of silence for right stuff but should we talk about yeah. our main topic? Which yeah, we should probably media. get to that. Yeah, we're just having, we're having so much fun. Like, some of these days, I should probably just do a, a, some sort of a podcast about the virtues of physical media. But, but yes, as you all heard during the introduction, we're here talking about the special Ultraman versus Common Writer, which, weirdly enough, came out in 1993. But was made to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Kamen Rider and the 25th anniversary of Ultraman, even though those were two years before this. Yeah. It also is a weird time where Kamen Rider and Ultraman, neither of them had ongoing TV shows. In they Japan, were kind of in anyway. Spin-off t- they were kind of in spinoff territory. Yeah. Right? Like, their main series is were both dead. Ryder was like, oh, yeah, we just put out Shin Counter Prologue. We got Counter Zeto coming up. And then what Ultraman had. Towards, Ultraman powered. Towards the Future in Australia. Yeah. And they mentioned, like, oh, yeah, and we've, we're working with the Americans to make a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're they're in their weird period of the early of the early 90s. The pre-Tiga days. The pre-Tiga. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was it was a weird time for both of them. It, it, yeah, it, it's, it really it's like was. when Marvel and DC did a crossover in the nineties. Both companies were financially desperate enough to make it happen. 
now they hate each other too much to do it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I miss when they were frenemies and would do official crossovers. Yeah. Uh, I feel like with Ultraman and Ryder, there's no tension, but I also feel like Toei will never work with Super Ryan on anything. I don't. They tried I, that Kaiju. There was a Kaiju Ward show they did together or something. Yeah. They, and then that just didn't materialize and it never even got finished. Yeah. I just, yeah. Cause this is the only official crossover that these franchises have ever had, mm. which is just wild to think. Like you would think if you live, if you are a fan of Kaiju and Tokusatsu and you're in that sphere, you, and you stop and you realize that these are all made by different companies and they rarely have ever crossover, you know? And yeah. if they do, a lot of times it's in these really obscure places. Like technically Godzilla and Gamera have crossed over, but it was in like a stage show in the seventies that happened once. Spider-Man and, and Kamen Rider V3's magazine photo shoot. Yep. Yeah. You know, or <laughs> Godzilla and Ultraman have not really crossed over excluding, like excluding when, excluding when they recycled Godzilla suits, but those don't count technically. Giga Bash technically. Counts, but now Giga Bash, it's like, yeah. What the? It's Gigabash is going to turn into Tokusatsu Smash Brothers at this point. If they keep we need, this to, we, we need to get more in there. How do we get more? more <laughs> throw in Gamera while you're at it. And throw in Gamera, do Gridman. Like. Yeah, throw it. Yeah, throw it. Uh, Gridman. He's in the computer. Well, who cares? Just throw it in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And they're like, "Is like, can you get Ryder in there?" Well, there's one who got big, which is something we'll have to talk about. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> technically came first anyway because <laughs> because if you haven't if you don't know about this special people it gets kind of wild oh, yeah. <laughs> some of the clips of it like the, the you know the the tokusatsu clips have found their way onto like twitter and all that and they're just kind of getting thrown up there without much context and you're just like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's happened? the first time i encountered this special was like 14 years ago, I just happened upon it. Mm -hmm. So like the first fan sub came out and I just heard people talking about it. And then I looked it up and I watched it and I was like, what the heck did I just see? <laughs> Basically <laughs> it's this, it's just, but it's wild considering that. And actually I think it's, this is true for Sentai as well. All like these mm. three pillars of the Tokus of Tokusatsu all have milestone anniversaries five years apart. It's amazing that that all they always like that they're perfectly lined up like that. They are because because Ultraman was sixty six, Kamen Rider seventy one, Sentai is seventy six. Yeah, it's so weird because they all celebrate anniversaries together. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. But since Sent but Sentai and Rider are owned by Toei, so they can celebrate together. But they don't celebrate with Ultraman except this one time. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so funny too that we've never had a fourth Toku because it, none of them. Metal have been five Heroes years apart. tried. Metal Heroes tried, but it was six years after Sentai, so you know they couldn't they couldn't keep up. Yeah, although <laughs> they, they the should. Five, the five year thing. But yeah, but Metal Heroes also started in the '80s, which was kind of a dark time for Tokusatsu. Mm. You know, Ryder was on one of it. Was on its first hiatus. And then, you know, had a flash in the pan of popularity with Black, and then they went back into hiatus again because of it. In a lot of ways, Black RX felt like it absorbed Metal Hero. It did. And then they just kind of kept, and then they just kept the Metal Hero tropes when they went back and did Kuga. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, so why make I don't Metal know. Hero and Common Rider is basically Metal Hero. Yeah. You know, it's, 
it's a thing, guys. It's a thing. But I, I'm of the opinion that much like how DC and Marvel rip each other off all the time, I think Supro and Toei rip each other off all the time. Oh, absolutely. Especially with Bandai being the one that makes both their toys. <laughs> oh, those pesky Bandai mandates. Oh, yeah. Which is why I'm so glad that Bandai is just laying off on Ultraman Blazar. Because it, so, it took them years, and they're like, you know what? Maybe we should just let the artists do what they want, and we'll still make tons of money on the toys. Yeah, apparently uh, the reason they were able to get away with it is because they put the show into production early, so by the time that Bandai came in with notes, it was already too late. They were filming. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> so they just got ahead of Bandai, and Bandai was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll have to make our toy line mostly kaiju. <laughs> And it's been selling like crazy because people want to guide you. And, and come on, I need an earth Garon in my, in my life right now. Oh, yeah. Because I've got the figure mark for you. Yeah. I'm just like, just like yeah. seriously guys, seriously, but no, just to give, you know, a quick background. So yes, it was, it was the anniversary special two years after the fact. Okay. And there's a bit of information on her. I had to go to a couple of different sources to find stuff. The most Notable thing that we have to bring up. Not only is this the only official crossover, but this was directed by Keita Amemia. They don't oh, yeah, that's right. advertise that, that a whole lot. And yeah. even Wikip like regular Wikipedia doesn't mention this. The Tokupedia does. Wow. And any other source that I look this up, if they say anything about it, they say mention, yeah. The tokusatsu part, which is the part everybody knows about, because basically this is a 90-minute special that the last about 10, 12 minutes is a is basically a mini tokusatsu episode. Before this, it's a documentary on the history of each franchise that compares and contrasts it. I went into, I will admit, I've seen the tokusatsu part before. I had never watched the documentary before. And yes, I know, you're probably screaming... The heroes of the internet are screaming at their podcasters right now. Yes, I know. We're breaking the rule. This is not officially available in the U.S. I frankly it don't care. <laughs> and it probably never will be. The fact yeah. that it even got a second release in Japan is a small miracle. I frankly don't care, considering that I'm getting ready to wrap up this version of Henshin Men, and we've talked a lot about Ryder and some about Ultraman, we have to talk about this special because mm -hmm. it's the crossover, guys. But anyway, anyway, so Keita Memia is the director. I don't know if I would have immediately thought that because as good as the tokusatsu part of this special is, it doesn't immediately scream a Memia to me. Yeah, it doesn't have the Keita flair. Like yeah, he has this like really like flourishy directorial style. Uh huh. And this just kind of feels standard. It yeah. doesn't really feel like he did it. Yeah, I do think the monster designs get some of the flair in it. Yeah. But other than that, not really, but that's because these were mostly original monsters. Gatteris, mm. I think, is original. Poison Scorpion Man is heavily influenced by a classic <laughs> writer villain, so I've got... I'm a little on the fence about that one. But I feel like that's where you see more of the Amemia touch. Mm. And some of how the action sequences are filmed. Otherwise, it's very legacy focused because they're, we're using yeah. the classic designs and things. But you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. But I, I, I do say it's. I think it's the only. Is the only thing that 
that Keita has ever directed Ultraman wise. I think so. Which is also probably why it's harder to distinguish from like his normal style because there's nothing, there's no like template for like what does uh, Keita Amamiya Ultraman look like? Basically. Is it just, <laughs> I guess it's just this is our like example because I, right? you know, he was, he was Toei's golden boy in the 90s. He was. And he's like, screw you guys, I'm going to go make Gar. Yeah, I mean, I, I've <laughs> done an episode of Henshin Men on Hakaider, and to be honest, mm. Hakaider is perilously close to, to being an art house film. It really is. It really is. It really it, is. <laughs> like, we could do, like, uh, we could have a whole side tangent on Hakaider, but if no one's, if you've never seen Hakaider, it's available officially. It's like $10 in a lot of places. It's on Tubi. It on, it's, you yeah, can, it's on Tubi. Prime. It's available a lot of places to stream, guys. You should really go watch go it. Go watch It's less than an hour. Even if you hate it, you won't regret it. Well, and well, if you watch the director's cut, it's a little over an hour, but that's the better yeah. version. It is. It, it is. is. But, but anyway, just to yeah, rattle off. We could go whole tangent about it. Yeah, we, we really could. We really could. But yeah, so it's a documentary that chronicles the history of the franchise. Compare and contrast. It ended up being a heck of a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But since we're talking about a bit of, you know, kind of setting the stage for this a little bit, I will mention are the producers on this. And I don't know if they if they were the producers on the whole thing or just the tokusatsu part. But since I'm, I'm just going to bring up the credits that I can find. But the producer was Butsuda uh, but Hiroshi, directed by Keita Amemiya, like I said. And I do have the suit actors because suit actors need more love. Heck yeah. Heck yes, they do. Ultraman was Toshiyuki Kikuchi. Common Rider 1, got to get specific here, so Hongo, was Hiroshi Maeda. And our monsters, so we had Poison Scorpion Man and Gadara. They were it's the same guy. No, oh no, it's, oh no, okay, I see how it's listed here on Tokopedia, but so it's, it's listing them both and then, you know, the both mm. of the actors, but it was... Sosori, Sosori Gatteris, interesting, and oh no, that that was the combined form. Excuse me, that's what it was combined one. That was the combined form. So it's one guy for all three monsters. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Takeshi Miyazaki was his name, and uh, see, I got a music credit. There's some music credits here, but that 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 was during the the documentary portion Mm -hmm. of it. So. I do want to talk at least a little bit about the documentary portion. I do have a handful of notes more than I was expecting. Cause like I said, it was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. And mm. it, it, I like how it's structured where they, they find as different as writer and Ultraman are, they find ways to structure the documentary to give themselves stuff to talk about. In order to do that compare and contrast, the probably the most interesting one was when they did Henshin versus Henshin, and they just showed all the transformation sequences. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it just showed you how like segments. yeah, yeah, they're like, I see some similarities there, but it's also really really different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they did. It's just like a, it's like fun clip compilation. Yeah, honestly. yeah, that's what a lot of it was. Uh, the first segment was Specium Ray versus Rider Kick talking about their finishing moves and Ooh. how they were really different where I think they said something about how Ultraman is all about superpower. Whereas for the writers, they said his, their bodies are their weapons basically. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Ultraman's like, oh, you have external like powers and abilities. Writer, my hand is the weapon. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and I will admit, like, I've I've seen a lot. It mostly because of accessibility, I've seen a lot more Ultraman than I have Common Rider. So seeing some of these Common Rider clips in high definition was actually very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there were points where during some of the Ultraman stuff, they would. And by the way, the Ultraman, the '70s anime, noticeably absent. Yeah, made me a little sad. They also left out Common Rider SD, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of they played the eighty theme over a lot of these clips in one particular segment, and it was weird hearing the eighty theme to not only just the other seventies and sixties stuff, but then to the newer stuff. Like they did show up some of the newer stuff, and at this point, the newest thing was towards the future, Ultraman Great, with the Australian show, and I'm like, this is weird, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the eight the eight eighties eighties theme is great though. So it yeah. is it, although it screams you know, late seventies, early eighties disco when no one got the memo that it was dead. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, that hot minute, you know, when that was going on, it was it was just crazy. That, that little moment where disco was dying, but Ultraman was like, We need disco. Now. We need disco power now. And then the franchise died. <laughs> For various reasons. But the, and then the next segment was Jet VTOL versus Cyclone. So it's talking about the vehicles. So it's like all the science patrol, crazy aircraft. And then it's just like, and riders have motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> and it was at the time, too, when rider motorcycles were like, bike, 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 bike with wings, normal bike, bike that has extra wings. <laughs> Bike with bigger wings. Bike. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get to Kamen, but then you get to Kamen Rider Black, where it's like bike, but it's alive. Yeah. Then RX, three bikes and a car. Three bikes and a car. Although Black had two bikes. Yes. So but I but one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Black, you cheated on poor Battle Hopper. I'm just no. It's true. <laughs> No, Road Sector's nice, but you cheated on Battle Hopper. I'm just Battle Hopper's too good. You gotta no. keep Battle Hopper. It's just like it's like when Super One had like a, a rigged out Harley Davidson, and then he'd switch to like a normal bike because the Harley Davidson couldn't do stunts. It was always a bummer. <laughs> yeah, like, he's the one. Com- Harley, he's the it was one. Like, oh, com- that's really cool and unique. And then he's like, Nah, he's my little dirt bike because yeah, he can't do stunts with the Harley. I was like, He's the one common rider with a Harley. Yeah. The one commenter. And I've actually researched it. Harley does make stunt bikes now. They have no excuse. Yes. Back they have then no they excuse. didn't, now they do. You know, if James Gunn, who is, who is a self-avowed common writer fan, he's like the one American I would trust with doing an American adaptation, mm. I, would de- I would demand from him daily on Twitter, or X, whatever you call it, Twitter X, that his writer has to have a Harley. <laughs> yes. And it's got to be stunt capable. It has to be. It has to be. I just, if you're going to do it, you're going to have a Harley. An American common writer needs a Harley. And then just give them the Western tassels like Super One and then everyone loses yeah. their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got it. You got it. And then, so, 
So that was interesting with that one. The, probably the one that I found the most fun personally was Kaiju versus Kaijin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about the monsters. <laughs> oh, the differences. <laughs> how different they are. Even... It was just wild. Like both both shows, I'm gonna say like both franchises have wild monsters. Let's let's agree oh, yeah. to that. Like they're both they both have wild monsters, but they're wild in different ways. And they are they're so vastly different from each mm-hmm. other. And it, I mean, but, on one side, on one side you got guy wearing spider head, and on the other side you got reused Godzilla suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The show, the show, the show writer villains and monsters are not known for their complexities. <laughs> no, no, but you know, several of them became quite iconic. And as much as I, uh, in particular, with Ultraman, as much as I love mm. me Heisei Ultraman, I, I don't know if it's just nostalgia, but particularly you know, like Showa nostalgia, not necessarily Heisei nostalgia. But I don't really see a lot of the post-Showa monsters coming back. And even then, it's mostly the 60s monsters who come back. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's a part of like, it's maybe it's partial Stockholm Syndrome, where we like those monsters because we always see them. Or is it like, but then again, I can't remember like most of the monsters from Dinah. So it's, yeah, I think they kind of hit a lot of those iconic designs in the early part of Ultraman. And then they could not make as many iconic ones since. Yeah. Although, like I said, it's mostly the 60s ones. A yeah. lot of the 70s monsters just blend to go. But Common Rider, there's always a spider and a bat. Mm-hmm. Always. Some Sometimes of the other ones, some of the other ones come back, but there's always a spider and a bat. And then they always love bringing back Bee Woman. <laughs> for some reason as the most recurring like writer monster is b woman has come back like four times oh my gosh for seemingly no reason we had so many jokes with b woman i was not prepared for b woman when i was watching the show i'm like this is the gaudiest looking thing i've ever seen this Common looks like this li- this looks like it was made for about ten dollars yeah <laughs> Common Rider decade somehow made it look like even gaudier when they remade the suit from scratch. It looked better, but it just, the gaudiness went yeah. up. I've seen pictures of it. I'm Shut like, up. <laughs> good Lord. But there, we had so and then many the jokes. Shin Kamen Rider redesign was really good. So it's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, all of uh, B woman filtered through the mad imagination of Keita Memia. Mm-hmm. My goodness. My, my goodness. <laughs> But yeah, we had so many jokes. We had so many jokes. But yeah, so it was really interesting to see the compare to see the compare and contrast there, because like Mm. I said, these are the two most popular superheroes in Japan, and the documentary makes that abundantly clear. It's like these are Japan's heroes, and the funny thing is they don't have a lot in common other than being superheroes who fight monsters. Like everything about them is completely different. It's almost like. It's it's like comparing the overall visions for DC and Marvel, where DC is very mythic and Marvel is typically more grounded by comparison. Mm-hmm. Ryder is typically more grounded than Ultraman. Ultraman is very larger than life, very mythic. You know, it's aliens who bond with humans and fighting 
giant creatures and common Rider is you know a guy who gets kidnapped and forcibly made into a cyborg you know yeah <laughs> you know they don't have a lot in common visually or in terms of motif and theme other than the fact that they're both henshin heroes mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of like the most interesting part is that they they have similarities but they're just completely opposite of each other mm-hmm and even as like their modern shows have brought them a little closer together, they still just, they have that distinctive like tone difference. You know, it's like over time, it's like how developed from like this. It's always like, Oh, it's always people that were created by the villains to do bad, but they ended up doing good and had the dark kind of like anti-hero subtext to kind of like now common writers about like people fighting for their ideals, even mm-hmm. against other people. Whereas like Ultraman has pretty much stayed consistent about like it's about working together and coming together to fight like a common evil and working with people that you may not be able to necessarily communicate with, but that, you know, the, the belief in the teamwork and the effort together is what will get you to the end of the day. And I've seen that pretty much stay consistent all the way from even ultra Q all the way, like through Blazar is like, you know, how do we work on this together? Even if we can't fully communicate with each other, mm-hmm. how do we get to the the final goal? Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing that's interesting is that even when Ultraman gets dark, it's still about that. Mm-hmm. Even Nexus is about that. Yeah, and Nexus is like Nexus starts with like Ultraman being fired upon by their by the defense team, mm-hmm. but it is about communicating, working together. It's just sometimes it's. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to get there. Right, right. Whereas writer, admittedly, it is a little bit all over the place in terms of what it tries to do, which the documentary does also kind of highlight a little bit. It's just one of the things that just really astonished me and I with the documentary is that it treats like all of the writer stuff, even the more adult writer stuff that was available at the time, it Mm -hmm. just kind of treats it all equally. There's even that that one scene from Shin Kamen Rider Prologue, I just watched it during Halloween season because it's actually a horror movie. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, where there's movie. like a, fl- where you get one of the nude scenes in there and it, and it flies by really fast in this documentary. And I'm like, <laughs> Japan has a very different sensibilities. <laughs> I would, because yeah. if this was, because if this was an American special and they know it's going to be watched by families, they're going to skip over that. Yeah. But nope, we're going to see that. We're going to see the part where the writer rips the robot's head off like he's in Mortal Kombat. I mean, that is the best scene of the movie. It is. (laughs) It's not not great, guys. I wish that TV show got made just to see how really weird it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a thing, but I will eventually podcast about that movie. I will eventually podcast about that movie. Maybe Media Blasters will eventually release the blue. They are. Well, yeah, they're eventually. They're, I Hopefully they they're will. Supposedly it. it's going to be out year. by the end of the year, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's going to be like a spring release. At this, at this rate. You know, guys, I, I wouldn't normally say this, but you may have to buy more hentai to get this made. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's, we we were talking about that Media beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we Media Blasters, they're supported by hentai, but they will eventually make your cool cult classic stuff. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it, yeah, I, it's so many jokes. Anyway, before, mm. I, before I, this requires an explicit label. And then there was one <laughs> other segment that I'm not kidding you. 
on the Tokupedia article, it has the title of it listed as exclamation point question mark. That's it. And it's that segment where it was that was like a commercial break where they're just showing all the weirdest clips of both franchises. Look how wacky our shows are. One of them I don't even think was a writer show. It was like comma writer black showing up in something else. Yeah, he there was I forgot where that clip was from. It's I forget like where it was. I think it was stirred. a movie yeah. that was completely unrelated to common writer, but they just threw it in there. Yeah, and then all the ultra, all the weird Ultraman stuff. Like, yeah, I've seen all of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Taro making cakes on the moon. I haven't gotten that far in Taro, but now I'm tempted. Well, and just to make it even weirder, <laughs> just to make it even weirder for you, sound out that the girl he's with—that's the girl who at one point was one of the hosts for Ace. She came back in oh, that episode. Wow. Because she's the moon princess, remember? That's why. Right. That was the excuse they came up with to get her out of the show because of of the world's dumbest backlash. (laughs) They said, oh, she's a moon princess, so she's going to leave now. Well, they brought her back for this episode of Taro. (laughs) Oh, that gives me motivation because I liked her. I was so. Like for me, Ace just went downhill when she left. (laughs) It was such a great idea. And then, like, really? You got that serious a backlash? Really? Really? I wonder, too, if it was just a writing problem. Like, they were like, how do we keep writing these two people to be in the same place to make Ultraman? It's like... That's why they're both on the team. Anyway, I, th- th- that's a whole thing. Ace, Ace was great. And it's it, this is a complete side tangent. You can probably edit this out. But <laughs> if you watch Ace and notice, he gets considerably less violent as soon as Minami leaves. Like, once she's gone... Like he stopped beheading kaiju and stuff. And I was like, oh, so she was the violent one. Actually, it's probably the Japanese moms who are like, get rid of the girl and stop making it so violent. <laughs> probably. Because he stopped cutting kaiju in half after 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 she was gone. Ace Ace was like, no, I'm gonna be more peaceful now. We're gonna go back to beans, not beheading. <laughs> You're not beheading. I just I'm telling you. I'm I mean, telling you. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, man. Mom's groups ruined Tokusatsu. Look what happened to Power Rangers. <laughs> look what happened to Abba Ranger. Look what happened to, look what happened to everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But they never complained about Godai's leather pants and Kuga, so. I, I think the moms Double like standard. I, I think the Double moms standard. like that part. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the Joe Odagiri effect was named after him for a reason. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> so anyway, so the documentary portion, if you can find it, not just the Tokusatsu part, but the documentary part, it's worth it. There's interviews with some of the past actors. They interview the guy who played Dan Maraboshi, and he shared memories about making the show together with with his co-stars. And they interviewed a couple of the common Rider actors. Probably, though, the biggest interview in this is we had a creator crossover, too. Yeah. We had Noburo Subaraya, the son of a- uh, the son of Eiji Subaraya, and Shotaro Shinomori, creator of Common Rider. They sat down and had a conversation. They weren't being interviewed by people. They just sat down and had a conversation. And it's in this room where one side is decked out with Ultraman stuff, and the other side is decked out with Common Rider stuff, and they just talk about their characters. 
for a little it's while. One of the coolest things in the whole. whole it is, and Super, Mr. Superias says like, "Oh yeah, we're working with the Americans to make a show." I'm like, I know what that is. <laughs> it's not going to get seen by the Americans, but it's sure going to be made by. But them. it's sure going to get made. And it's going to be underappreciated. I have a weird soft spot for that show. I understand it's what its shortcomings are, but I don't care. It's the one American Ultraman show. <laughs> it's like it's like me and my weird obsession with Ultraman USA. Yeah, well, that's a well, that's a great one too. I actually am it's pretty a great partial movie. For that. I don't know why people ignore it. Yeah, uh, well, it's because it needs to get released because I don't even want to try to unravel the rights for that. Like that's a rabbit I'm tempted, hole. I'm tempted to just import the Japanese Blu-ray because it's got the dub on it. You should. So I'm like, I should just. I'm like, you know, it's it's probably not that expensive. I should just look for it. Yeah, I, you know what? Tell me where you find it. I'll probably do the same thing. I'll let you know, Please let me. It's got the dub. It doesn't have subtitles of the Japanese, but it's got the dub, and that's all that matters at this point. <laughs> that, yeah, well, because it was originally made in English anyway. Yeah, exactly. It was made. It was made to be in English, but like, yeah. You know, but the Japanese Blu-ray might be like the way to go. Well, well, because I've seen I've seen a Blu-ray rip but, of it on YouTube, and it's gorgeous. Oh yeah, it is a great remaster. It is an amazing remaster. But anyway, so but then here's the part of it. Like, so like he's teasing things that are coming. Like, I know what that is. The part of the of that portion that got me excited, but then I realized it never happened, and it would have been so amazing if it did. And I don't know if they just brought this up for the sake of this documentary to make it to make it interesting, or if it was something that was seriously considered and it just never happened. But they said, you know what, we should collaborate on something. And they said, and it should be a brand new character. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Ataro Shitomori make and Subaraya Productions making something together. That would have been amazing. Not to get dark, but didn't what year did uh, Ishinomori die? <laughs> uh, it was a few years after this. Yeah, I'm wondering if the idea maybe was in development and then he kind of. I, that's, that's my theory at this point. Maybe it was in development because I think it was ninety. Yeah. I would say between like ninety six and ninety eight, he died. Yeah, it was, yeah. Because it was just a few years after this, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it would have been because it was so enough good. where he he wrote the outline for Kuga. Yeah, yeah. So it, I can probably find out in a quick Google search. Yeah, yeah. You do that, but I'm just like, man, that would have been so good. Yeah, it's ninety eight. So ninety eight, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was just like it would have been so good, so good. Mm-hmm. You imagine just like oh, like the like the special effects mastery of Subaraya Productions because I mean I, Toei. May, I'm not. I don't want to dog on Toei too much, but like when it comes to especially miniature effects, Subaraya oh, yeah. is the masters. Like their miniatures mm-hmm. are heads are just head and shoulders above what Toei was doing. But, you know, like, so imagine that, but a, a character created by the mad genius of Shotaro Shinomori, just like, oh, my gosh. Would have been great. It would have been so great. So that part actually pained me a little bit, I have yeah. to say. It's just, it, it hurt. It hurt sound out, knowing that that could have the been a thing. The possibility was there. The possibility. Just the fact that they actually liked and respected each other enough that they're like, we should work together. You don't and see probably, that very it often. Probably would have been directed by Kei Tamami as well. Oh my gosh, dude! Oh, like like that collaboration with Kei Tamamiya. Mm. 
that you would have had the. Per- if, he, if he did this, they probably already would have just been like, "Hey, you want to do this?" Yeah, I mean, like it would have been the perfect tokusatsu. Mm. Like that would have been the perfect tokusatsu. Don't at me, people. <laughs> like that is perfect tokusatsu, yep. right there, right there. And we we can't have it. We can't we nope. can't have nice things anymore. It's somewhere out in the universe. There's there's got to be one universe where it happens. Yeah, it's got to. It's got to be. It's got to yeah, be out there somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, but you know, but just a few other just kind of quick little things that I uh, that I just wrote down watching this thing. I. I I found it funny that the the seven actors started talking about how he came up with dua, which is the little word nonsense word that seven mm-hmm. says compared to schwatch, which is what original common or oh, Ultraman would say. And then the one of the things that was really interesting for me is I found out that this particular music track that's been showing up since seven in most Ultra series, which sounds like a male choir singing, yeah. That has been a running joke. My my brother, Jared, who's my roommate, we've been going through the Ultra series together, and he kept making mm-hmm. jokes whenever that music cue would come on. Line, he would make jokes about the choir doing something <laughs> yeah. goofy. And then it just became this running joke. And I finally found out that what it's called. It's called, from this documentary, it's called the Wadaba Medley, made yep. by Toru Fuyuki. I'm like, wow. It's like a track that just keeps getting recycled. Yeah, they, or redone. They, uh, it, it's like the same melody, and then they re they remix it, they recycle it, especially lately. Like every season, I think since Zet has had its own version of it mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, and it's like, and then like you know, like there was a version for Super Guts and Dyna that mm-hmm. used a very similar thing, and like they've they've used it all over, and it's it, it yeah, it started in seven. Yeah, <laughs> Just, I was I did, and now I know that it has a name and and who composed it. Yeah, and then the one other thing, I think this was, I think, I think, I'm trying to remember who brought this up. I think it was, actually, I think this was the, was one of the writer actors who was in this. Mm -hmm. When they was talking about, you know, what makes writer different than Ultraman, and he said writer is closer to our lives, because he fights smaller monsters, which I I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Also, because a lot of the early writer monsters like Shocker and Destron were terrorist organizations, and then they were just like committing crimes, like average crime. Like there's there's an episode of V three where where one of the monsters is just committing stabbings. <laughs> he just goes out and stabs people, and it's like that's like a legitimately like kind of terrifying little. You know, it's like you know your monster of the week is a serial killer. Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> But that although, yeah, yeah. But what I would like to see is I, I'm sure I tried scouring the internet to find it because I've been kind of been keeping a bit of a mental track, but I know mm-hmm. I haven't caught everything. But like all the instances where Ultraman were not giant size doesn't happen oh, very yeah. often, and when it does, it really stands out. Now in like Showa when they would do that wouldn't last very long. It would just be like mm. something really quick. Maybe they have to interact with somebody or they have to shrink to micro size or whatever, which they bring up in this documentary, how they can do that. But then you get to the Heisei era of Ultraman where they're like, yeah, we'll do it on occasion and we'll make a whole action sequence out of it. Yeah. Like one of my favorite action scenes in Tiga was from like episode 13 or whatever where he's fighting a whole bunch of alien villains and he doesn't turn giant size. So he's fighting them 
as a human-sized Ultraman. And I'm like, yeah. that is amazing because it just doesn't happen very often. And it, it's always memorable when it does. Yeah. There was a whole episode of Ultraman Z, like his main fight scene. He was normal-sized mm-hmm. before growing giant later. And it's just like, but I'll always remember that one because it just doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was... Decker did it recently. Yeah, Decker, too, Decker uh, in his crossover episode with Trigger, mm. and they were both human size. You know, yeah, they're both which human is size. I bring up because of what happens in the Tokusatsu sequence in this yeah. one, but because I'm like, <laughs> which I feel like there was like a little. I think there might have been a little bit of a missed opportunity there, but mm. we'll get into it. You know, but there were actually things that happened in the documentary that I ended up actually using for awards. Now they're runners up. Because I really want the focus to be on the Tokusatsu segment. But there were still things that happened in this, like, oh my gosh, you guys actually did that, <laughs> which we'll get to. But there was a point when you did the exclamation point question mark part. Well, like, one of our awards here on Henshin Men is WTH, what the Henshin for craziest moments. There's like, that was all this was, it was like, it was just a collection of WTH <laughs> moments. <laughs> it's like, you just put them all there. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, and then oh, you know, the other crazy thing that got hinted at during the creator crossover, he said, "Oh, we're gonna make Ultraman in China, guys." <laughs> oh man! Oh, did they not realize? Was, you don't want to do that. You you don't you no know, guys. You don't. It would have been even funnier if they're like our great partners with Shia. <laughs> it's like you guys, you don't, you don't, you don't. Although I've been told that Supro now is actually getting a Chinese Ultraman movie made. Yes. Which just... Because they're making buttloads of money in China. I was just like, you guys realized that they you were getting ripped off they were blocking you from releasing anything. And now you're playing... Okay, go ahead and play nice with them. They're make, they're, it's probably like the, the financial support they need. I guess. I guess. I've seen clips of some of those not Chinese Ultraman things and i'm like no not just no heck no yeah no guys it's like ultraman doing a bad chinese rap oh god i'm like no no international outreach isn't always the best (laughs) it's not let ultraman retain his dignity let him maintain that japanese-ness that you pride so much don't let the foreigners ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> please, guys, please. Uh, all right. All right. So, unless you have anything else to add about the documentary portion of this, we got to move into yep. the main event. Tokusatsu portion. All right. Craziness. After a documentary celebrating each franchise's anniversary, including a crossover between their creators, Tokusatsu's greatest heroes finally join forces. Shocker unleashes the evil Poison Scorpion Man to aid the malevolent monster Gadaras in attacking the city. Ultraman and Kamen Rider arrive to save the day, but the Kaiju and Kaijin combined to form the ultimate beast. Now only an epic team-up can save the world. Of course! <laughs> <laughs> instead of take over the world and save the world okay okay <laughs> we've already been talking for a little over well we you know we just chit-chatted for like 20 minutes and then we talked quite a bit about the documentary now we gotta 
wax poetic about the the glorious 12 minutes. <laughs> 12, it's actually, I think it's like eight before credits. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> it's, it's not even quite 12 minutes. It's, maybe, yeah, it's more like 10, but like the glor- this glorious, yeah. glorious 10 minutes. And it's going to be hard to talk about it without just getting into the awards because it's just so dang short. And it's it really li- and it it's light on story, but but I don't think I can really count that against it. No, I don't. Th- yeah, it's 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 just slapping the two action figures together. And well, I happen. mean, and that's how it starts. It literally starts yeah. with kids playing with toys and a narrator yep. saying, you know, and there there's I feel like there's an appeal to nostalgia here because again, remember the context. This is at a point when both franchises are essentially on hiatus. Mm. They're not really doing anything, so they're just they're making this as a celebration of franchises that aren't really doing anything. So there's this appeal to nostalgia about how hey, when you know, children love these heroes and they grew up with these heroes and they want to be like these heroes and it's kids playing with the toys. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, it's kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of fun and not like in a fright, like there was a common Rider movie a few years ago where it was like all of common Rider is just kids playing with toys. And it was like this really frustrating universe breaking thing, but this felt kind of like a, Oh, Hey, you know, this whole special, this whole thing you're about to watch is like played out in kids imaginations of like, just, taking their Ultraman, their Kamen Rider, and just having them fight each other, and then they'll fight together because they're heroes and they work together. Yeah, you know, it's that Stan Lee trope of when heroes meet each other, they must fight each other first. Yeah. And then they team up because it's either a misunderstanding or mind control or whatever it might be. And in this case, it's just they're fighting, and then it's just the plot reboots, and then they go working independently. Yeah. And they go work now, <laughs> I should mention that there were little clips of actual original tokusatsu throughout the documentary where Kamen Rider and Ultraman are interacting, but it's usually things like handshakes mm-hmm. and peace signs at the camera, like they're going to a commercial break or something. Yeah. You know? So it's just little things like that. And then here, the opening is Specium Beam versus Rider Kick. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah. And, you're, and then... It just it cuts to the title and then moves on to the next thing, like you know that the plot, quote unquote, reboots as you said, probably wisely because let's be honest, the nerds are going to debate which one of those moves is going to win for ages, and no one's going to oh, be happy absolutely. with an answer. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I because I don't know. I've seen the Specium Beam do insane things, you know, t- blow up things that you know, like that shouldn't be able to get blown up. But I've also seen writer kicks that were basically nukes. Mm. Oh, I like in Kuga. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> of Kuga, you know, but you know, the, both of them have the uncanny ability to make anything they touch explode. I'm just, <laughs> so it's probably good that we don't get an answer about which one's going to win. Yeah. I'm just going to assume it'll be like smash brothers. When you do special moves at the same time, they just cancel each other out and they're done. <laughs> That, that, that would make the most sense, and it, it, it's the best answer. <laughs> it, it really is the best answer. <laughs> no one else is going to be happy otherwise. Uh, but basically all this really boils down to is that we just, if you want to call it a plot, we basically told you what it was in the synopsis. It's just, there's a kaiju on the loose. Shocker sends a monster to basically help with the monster. I'm not entirely sure why Gatorus is doing what he's doing. He's just he's showing there. up because he has to. <laughs> Poison Scorpion Man's just there. <laughs> yeah, and Gatorus is original to this special, as far as I know. 
I might mm. find out. Maybe I'll have to issue a retraction later, but I'm pretty sure he's original to this. Poison Scorpion Man, like I hit it earlier, he's technically original, but he's there was a he's Scorpion. Like Scor- he's Scorpion, Scorpion Man, Man from the original show. Just yeah, it's Scorpion Man, but with poison now. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just Scorpion Man from the original show with an with a gimmick. That's all it really is. Yeah. Whatever, but like I said, that's about. This is like the one. These monsters are about the one place where you get hints of the Amemia style. Here. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they're running amok, doing their thing with the barest of setups, and then we just get a mon. We get a an amazing sequence where we see, and they're superimposed. This is not new footage. Yeah, but we see both heroes henshin together, transform together, and then. They journey to the city. So Ultraman is flying, and Kamen Rider's riding his motorcycle, so we get this mon- this sequence where they're just getting there. Ultraman gets there first, starts fighting Gatorus naturally. Ryder gets there a little bit later, and he starts fighting Poison Scorpion Man. And then we get... I love the kind of like the phases of how this progresses because we have them mm. transforming, going, and then we get both of them doing solo work. So you get to see what they do well on their own. You know, so they get to showcase what they do best by themselves. And then predictably, in true comic book fashion, the villains combine, because why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Otherwise, there's no reason for Ryder and Ultraman to, to team up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Having to do stuff together. Yeah, but then we get to one of, we get to a couple of, if this whole thing wasn't nuts enough, you know, after a sequence, an amazing sequence where Kamen Rider is dodging kaiju attacks and collapsing buildings on the motorcycle, on Cyclone, we I won't give away one of the crazy moments, but I will give away, but I will give away this one, even though it's going to be talked about in the awards. And I like this in concept, but again, I'm like, maybe they should have done this for Ultraman as well. Kamen Rider turns gigantic. <laughs> For absolutely no, there's not even a narration to explain why it's not nope. like and he doesn't winds and, he literally and he does a an Ultraman rise yeah just out of nowhere just out of <laughs> nowhere now. so now he's a giant just like Ultraman for no apparent reason and I find this amusing because this was a year before Common Rider J also directed by Kate also directed by Kate Memia where. You know, you would think that's the first writer to turn gigantic at that. So just like Ultraman, Ultraman are rarely human size or smaller. Common writers are even more rarely giants. Yeah. Jay is the one who's associated with being a giant, but Hongo does it in this weird special. And by like, technicality, Hongo is taller than Jay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so weird seeing that happen. But I'm like, okay, I'm like, guys, this is cool. But why didn't you like start with like a human sized Ultraman where he's yeah. trying to help, you know, maybe, you know, like he sees Common Rider and he's like, I'll go take care of the kaiju, you know, or something. Or maybe they try, or maybe the combined version of the monster is small first and then he gets big. And then they yeah, all get big. It. It's like Kamen Rider's got to play an Ultraman sandbox, but it doesn't have to go the other way. Yeah, which is weird, because there's a point where it kind of like, even though Keita Memia, most of his work was with Toei, I do feel like mm. at this point, the special veers a little bit more into the Subaraya camp. Yeah. Maybe it's because, I, I, I'm not entirely sure, maybe it's because most of the special effects artists who worked on it were Subaraya. 
I don't know. Yeah, it could be, it could be something like that. They're like, oh, Toei's like, we'll use our director and your special effects crew. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to dig into that a little bit more. But yeah, so it's Ultraman Sandbox at this point with the giant, r- ridiculous, gatterous monster now. And then this is this is where, like I said, this is when the main event really starts, and we get this amazing team up that just makes it hard to not just skip to the awards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it just, and then they fight, <laughs> and then they fight. There's not a whole lot to it. It's just they fight, and it's wild. What the thing that was the craziest for me is seeing these two classic characters in '90s style tokusatsu. Oh, absolutely. Especially yeah. like the fight with like Common Rider and, and Poison Scorpion Man. Mm-hmm. It was like it was all practical. It was like a little pre CG era, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel exactly Showa y because it felt like they had safety precautions on set. Yeah. And so it it kind of it was like, oh, that's definitely safer than the 70s, but that's definitely not like the normal stuff we'd see in the 90s. Yeah. It was really strange, but kind of cool. Yeah. But still very strange. Yeah. That's why it was weird because 90s tokusatsu has a particular feel and style to it mm. and this was very 90s again probably because of amemia largely because of amemia and seeing like i said seeing a 60s character and a 70s character done in yeah. this style was just it was weird like i i'm not bothered when it's tiga or when it's like kuga you know kuga was 2000 or we'll make it more relevant you know like uh, zeto yeah i'm not bothered by that but it's just, but it's still a little bit strange, a little surreal seeing these characters done. It's all, like it's this. also surreal too because the footage is so clean, everything's so daylight. Where it's like, yeah, even Zeto was like grunge, like it had that darker filter, the darker color tones. Mm. This was, this was much brighter. So it's kind of funny because it's like it doesn't even look like Common Rider from the '90s from those movies. No, those movies are so much darker and grungier than the the, the special was. No, yeah, that's true, and I. Uh, Probably should have mentioned this earlier. So this was 93. It was, it was released on VHS. It was re-released in 2011. And that's the last time we're ever going to see it Yep, <laughs> on a blue. It's right never there. coming out anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they negotiated that. And they're like, yeah, the, the, the international rights for that are going to be a nightmare. So no one's even going to try. Definitely. Yeah. No, one's, <laughs> no one's even going to bother. No one's even going to bother. I'm sure there, there people would buy it, but good luck figuring oh, yeah. out how to do it. <laughs> It, it would pro- it, it would be one of those dumb things too, where it's like, here's your 90 minute documentary and 10 minute tokusatsu, and the release is going to cost you seventy five dollars because of all the licensing <laughs> fees. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some anime that got that nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, and I had a friend who was buying it. So, like, what was it, Gundam Unicorn? They released it yep. all on Blu-ray on the same day, and it cost fifty bucks for one episode. They're like, we're charging Japanese prices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, but like, I like the Aniplex of America tactic, right? Yeah, but anyway, so then, like I said, we get to this fight scene. It's amazing. It is like three minutes of Tokusatsu heaven. Is whether even if you're only a fan of one of these characters, it's amazing. And if you're Mm -hmm. if you like both, yeah, like I said, it's paradise. You just you just sit there and you just soak it in. Just enjoy it. You just enjoy it. You just, yeah, that's all you do. You you just you just enjoy it, and basically every beat in this is award worthy at this point. Yeah. You know, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like, 
the, at some point it's just it is one just giant fight scene yeah now i will say one thing that i thought was kind of cool because this was the one i guess you could say more modern thing that besides the style of it mm-hmm. that comes in which i thought was an interesting choice and that's when our heroes win they don't play ultraman music they don't play classic common rider music it's common rider black <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the it's the music for Black when he beats a monster. I'm just guessing that was just in the like the Toei Quick Access like sound file. Yeah, like, we just need this music because we we just have this on standby. Yeah, we, we, so, and I noticed that now because the first time I watched this, I hadn't started Black yet. Not all mm-hmm. of it. I'd seen maybe a couple of episodes, and it had been a while. And then when I saw, it, I was like, oh wait, that's Black. Yeah. Okay, but it yeah, fits. It's guard. so fitting. Like that <laughs> yeah. track is so good, it works even for Ultraman. It doesn't feel out of place. Mm-hmm. So, no complaints there because I'm a massive fan of Black. Black is my favorite common writer show that I've seen. It's a good show. I, really I know that some people would say that's so basic. Like I don't care. Sometimes you have to go with the basic. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. You can go be you know, a hipster over there. All right. Yeah. I mean, my favorite commentator show is V3, and that's like the second most popular show for writer in Japan. So that's like, that's kind of a normie answer, too. A little bit. Just be careful. I, I stumbled across a video on YouTube where this guy basically said, hey, V3 sucks. I, I've seen that come up in my feed. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think I've avoided it. I'm like, you know what? I'll just, we'll just agree to disagree, and I'm not going to listen to your counterpoints. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically so anyway since it's hard to not just talk about this part of it without getting to the awards we should just get to the awards <laughs> might as well get the awards it's we might as well get into the awards these are fun little awards that we give out to outstanding features of the show or movie that we cover here on henshin men and we totally didn't steal it from monsters versus men but we totally did the shtick has been satisfied all right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we totally didn't just reskin these in true Transformers fashion for Power Trip. Not at all. Mm-mm. We totally did. Anyway, first up, we have the Henshin Kick for the best stunt or fight scene. Sound out as the guest. I'll let you go first. It's the Kamen Rider versus Poison Scorpion Man scene. I, as I talked about, I was like, yeah, we were talking about how weird it was. But, like, I am a sucker for any time they take show a common writer, film it in a modern style outside of the setting of their show, but then try to keep it as close to show a common writer as they can. <laughs> with Even though it doesn't fit, because, like, like the thing is, you know, not to go on a huge tangent, but for those that have not watched show a common writer, if you look at any of the writer shows from the 70s, it seems like they were done with zero safety precaution whatsoever. And having done background research, it basically was done with zero safety precaution. So you just get the craziest stunts you'd ever see because no one is telling them to stop. Whereas, like, the modern stuff has to have the safety precaution. But I always love when they try to imitate that style, but in modern filming situations. And I feel like, you know, Amamiya was kind of doing this whole thing with Zeto and Jay of, like, they're the new double writers. But, like, it kind of felt like just taking their kind of fight style and applying it to Common Rider 1 and kind of taking sort of that, like, it's just all practical hand-to-hand stuff, but it was done with modern safety precautions, so it wasn't as crazy. 
but it was still really entertaining to watch, especially with the way like the camera moved throughout the scene to kind of keep the kinetic energy together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Memeo was very good at that. Mm-hmm. Very good. And he also got the the classic spray attack. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know? Yeah, which looks way better here than it does in the '70s show. As charming oh, as it is, it looks so much better here. <laughs> it had a little, a little bit more budget and a little bit more experience. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's a that's a great choice. Like I said, it's just like the whole special could just win the all four of the awards. Like you just put the special, yeah. you know, the, like the Tokusatsu segment, you know, and you just be mm-hmm. done. Mine, I, I'm a sucker for when you whip out the iconic stuff, especially when you do it together. But the finish in this fight is epic because it's Ryder kick and Specium beam at the same time, not against each other. No, 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 no. This monster is such a problem that it takes both of their finishing moves at the same time to do it. And it is superbly filmed and edited superbly Mm -hmm. where Hongo jumps up and goes into the pose and starts doing it, and Ultraman sits there and he's hitting them from far, you know, with the cla- with the classic cross pose, and then they smack Gatteris and he blows up good. <laughs> it really is great. Like I love when they do combo attacks like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's. I know it's kind of a basic thing, but come on, we're suck. Sometimes nerds are easy to please. Yeah. All right, and and with the special, it's all meant to be just it's supposed to be fancy it's like it's like the joker said i'm a man of simple tastes (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know rider kicks and specia beams together (laughs) see now they need to do another one so we can have all the rider kicks and all the specia beams all at once (laughs) just a giant circle of just (laughs) (laughs) i i think that might unravel the multiverse (laughs) you know what maybe we need it (laughs) (laughs) We'll just reboot the whole multiverse. You know, just why not at this point? Exactly. Uh, Everyone will be in the same universe all at once. Ah, ah, oh, you've read the same comics I have. (laughs) And then that'll get undone after about 10 years, you know? Yeah. It's two more events will make it, you know, then it'll be undone after two more events. Yeah. We we, need more complex first. We always need the next event to cancel everything from the previous event. That's how Toei treats writer anniversary seasons. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yes and that's how comic books work anymore anyway so talking Toku for the best special effect again there's so much to talk about there's so many oh what do you got sound out the the moment where scorpion poison man and Gatoros fuse together it's so clean for being like a 90s like digital effect because it's just like it's it's just two things like you know they they merge together, but it could have just been like a simple fade or just something where it's kind of like they sort of go together. They actually look like they fuse together into one, and it's got kind of like it's not super blobby, but it's kind of got like the '90s blob effect going on. But it's just so clean, and you can tell that like whoever was working on the VFX side really knew what they were doing when merging those two objects together. It just looks so cool and striking because a lot of effects, even in the same, in the special, like when the, there's like some scenes of Ultraman flying and you can tell it's just been superimposed over stock footage. But then you get like later on, it's like, you know, you're seeing the two monsters choose together and it's like, wow, that's so clean. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, 
It's like you can tell where they spent their money. Mm-hmm, for sure. Mine, and I've hinted at it already, I picked it because, one, the effects are good, and two, it's a un- I just feel like it's a unique sequence, but it's Kamen Rider riding the Cyclone and dodging kaiju attacks. You know, while Ultraman is grappling with Gatorus, they're randomly hitting buildings and everything, and, ha- and Kamen Rider's just zipping around all uh, dodging everything mm-hmm. on the Cyclone. You know, it's not something I'm used to seeing with Common Rider. <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't happen very often because he never fights anything that big usually. Not usually, not usually. So that yeah. was de- that was the winner there for me. And then we get to this is hard because there's no zippy one liners during the Tokusatsu portion. Oh, yeah. Nobody says a word. <laughs> Nobody says a word other than you know Schwatch and Henshin. Oh. You know, <laughs> you know, so coming at you for the best line. I will admit I cheated a little bit with mine and pick something from the documentary portion. But what did you have sound out? This one comes. I think it's the last line of the special where the narrator says, but these two heroes will live on in the dreams of future generations. And I think that's such a perfect summary of also, oh, my God, both franchises were kind of dead at the time. We hope that people remember them. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also that idea that these are characters who transcend generations. It's nostalgic yes. for the parents of the kids who are watching this. And maybe they're even introducing their kids to this now through this special. It's like, hey, I grew up with Ultraman. I grew up with Common Rider. Watch how cool they are. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's being passed on to another generation. Hopefully, because we're like, it's like, you know. Hopefully we can get one of these things to stick. <laughs> yeah, you know? And then they did, and then they haven't stopped making anything. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> they might be in need of another hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Sometimes too much of a good thing is not so good. Yeah. Uh, every franchise needs a hiatus. It's a, it's a general rule. If yeah. you want your franchise to last, it needs a hiatus. Yeah. So, mine was, like I said, from the documentary portion, where the narrator says, I believe it was, they were talking about how Ultraman would fight monsters, but people were just as fascinated by the monsters as they were Ultraman. Mm -hmm. And the line I got from it was, quote-unquote, fascinated by the catharsis of destruction. I'm like, Catharsis of Destruction is the title of someone's metal album. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a Megadeth album to me specifically. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that definitely, uh, Catharsis of Destruction. Yeah, that that seems like Megadeth to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely, I think it it does sum up like the fascination with Kaiju in general. mm -hmm. It's like the Catharsis of Destruction. The Catharsis of Destruction. It's... I just love it's such a whoever came up with that like whoever's writing the script for this for the documentary portion really outdid themselves there mm-hmm. <laughs> like that guy's like oh I'm proud of that <laughs> they're like oh we just need a simple script a little narration to guide the documentary on and the guy's like this shall be my crowning achievement in writing <laughs> catharsis catharsis of destruction, of destruction. <laughs> I love it I love it but now we come to my favorite award. It's always my favorite award. WTH, what the headshot for the craziest moment. <laughs> and, oh, there were options. 
There are options. There were uh, options. <laughs> there were. It it got it got wacky. It, it, the whole thing. The yeah. whole thing qualified. Yeah, the whole thing. I could have swore I had runners up written down in in here for some of these awards. I'm not seeing it now unless I just missed it. But I will tell you that my. Uh, you share yours first, and then because I have a runner. Yeah. Oh, I do have the. This is where my runner up was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll mention my runner up really quick. My runner up was from the documentary portion, and I bring it up because Travis, my previous co-host on the show, we really latched onto the just absolute nonsensical gibberish that the classic commentator Kaichen would say, and there is a segment in this where. That gibberish gets subtitled phonetically. Oh my god! In both yes. kanji, like it's in a comic book, and then the subtitles so, uh, translate the kanji, and they write in the English in the subtitles in the English they write it out phonetically. So like all of the silly things, <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I. I love when, when especially subtitles go the extra mile to be like, look, we're going to translate it. I, people rag on TV Nihon, but there was one time they translated, uh, it was one of the counter decade movies that brought shocker villains back. And it was just like, it was uh, Shinigami Hakase was summoning something out of a pot. And they just wrote the, the subtitle as incoherent gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like the next time he showed up, it was like random mumbling. <laughs> Some magic words. <laughs> <laughs> you know what those are? The greatest subtitles ever made. <laughs> Honestly, they're they're straightforward and honest. Like we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like one of the ones that they showed was one of the monsters that, in retrospect, on the original Kamen Rider was I thought the goofiest one all of it, which was Egyptus. He was oh, supposed yeah. to be saying speaking in ancient Egyptian. <laughs> And I'm like, anything. that's what ancient Egyptian sounds like. That's what, how you're supposed to speak the hieroglyphics. It's ba 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 ba. Yeah. Oh, so the fact that they went to the trouble of just of writing it all phonetically, I'm like, I hope that's what the script said. Please tell me that's what those old scripts said, and it wasn't yeah. just a voice actor just going to a booth and they just said, just make up nonsense. <laughs> It, it's honestly a toss-up of which it could be. <laughs> it's either scripted or someone just made it up on the day. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But what was your winner? My winner is that superimposed shot of Hongo and Hayata on the hill. Because mm -hmm. it's very obvious that they just superimposed. Because it's like they don't even have the same background. Like they, they're standing on both standing on like a cliff. But then the background's different. So then you have that distinctive line between the two shots. And it's super quick, and then they transform and, like, we're off and running. But it just, it stands out to me, because it's like, that was the best you could do in 1993. It probably was. the old footage. Yeah. Like, that was the, the pinnacle of, of superimposing those two shots together. Yeah. If they if it was made now, it would be super easy, and it would be seamless. Yeah. You could, like, cut out the seam, and you could mess yeah. it up. It would, it, and yeah. it would, the back, they would just... They would just be able to just take the figures and just put them into the same background. It would be mm -hmm. you can do that in Photoshop now. Yeah, <laughs> it's not hard. You know, back then it was state of the art, and 
expensive and now it's like yeah i can do that in photoshop yeah back then they're probably just cutting videotape together <laughs> probably well I, I actually just realized another one that i could bring up even though it's not quite as wild and only really one of them is as wild. and that was actually during the credits mm-hmm. when they're showing what i'm assuming were promotional images for made for the special and some and some of it i think was just the suit actors having fun because oh, you had yeah. one where they were, it's supposed to be they're stealing each other's poses. So, like, Kamarari does a specimen beam pose. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. The wild one is Ultraman riding Cyclone. Oh, yeah. He's sitting yeah, yeah. on the Cyclone. And I'm like, Common Rider Ultra? Yeah. That Anyone? should have been in the special. Ultra Rider? It's like, how epic. I wish they had been, it had been more than just a promotional image. Like, yeah. I would have killed to see classic Ultraman riding the Cyclone. Yeah, Ultraman never gets to ride any motorcycles or vehicles. No, he doesn't. He's always flying everywhere. He's flying everywhere. I mean, it's like, why does Superman need a car? Yeah. <laughs> he can fly. Anyway. Is, so, what's but, the excuse Sonic the Hedgehog always has? Why do I have a car? Because sometimes I'm tired of running. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, and then the other one that I consider, another moment I consider that I didn't talk about, was right before Kamarader does an Ultraman rise, he literally flies through the monster's head. And it looks like he should have splashed his brains yeah. everywhere. But Gatorus is none the worse for wear. It's like, oh, I, I just took a, a living bullet to the head, but I'm totally fine. Oh, he got bigger? Apparently my brains make common writers grow. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah. But no, my my real winner is, we already talked about it, common writer grows. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Just, just happens. Just happens. If you go into this special, especially I'm thinking like at that time, you're not used to seeing Common Rider do that. Now, next year, the year after this, we're going to see Common Rider J do it. But Hongo does it here, and he does it in the Ultraman style. Again, playing in the Ultra Sandbox. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't expect it. It's the wildest thing that happens. In a, you know, the wildest 10 minutes of your life that you're ever going to yeah. see. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> This is almost like a concentrated version of Super Inframan, but with iconic characters. It's just oh, that yeah. it's just that bonkers. <laughs> it's just that bonkers. All right, sound out. With that, we only have a minute to henshin it. Rarely has that sounder been so appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with Minute to Henshin It, we will give our final thoughts in one minute or less. All right, sound out on our marks, get set, go. (laughs) We're going to be talking for one-eighth of the runtime or one-tenth of the runtime of this thing. I mean, how how do we sum it up besides it's just a dream come true? It really is. If you can find it, even if it's just the tokusatsu part, find it. There are ways to do it. There are ways to do it. <laughs> Use your internet skills that the internet has taught you. That Although the, the, the skills that they would prefer you not use. Right. Fo- follow, follow the advice of, of, of friendly, friendly heroes of our times. The yo-ho-hoes of our, of our, of our, ta- of our time <laughs> that, that have taught us that 
sometimes things that cannot be obtained are worth seeking out because they're such a delight. They are. They are. This is just pure, unadulterated joy. Even though the documentary is a little out of date, it's still worth seeing, and this the best tokusatsu you're going to see in a long time. Went a little over, but I don't care. It's Ultraman <laughs> versus Common Rider. Dang it. <laughs> breaking all the rules. We're breaking all the rules, people. <laughs> I'm, 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 this is basically the last film discussion, TV discussion episode of Henshin Men, guys. All right? The next episode's going to be a hype episode for the reboot slash sequel slash spinoff, whatever you want to call it. You'll get more details in that episode. I'll introduce you to my new co-hosts and everything. So be on the lookout for that. And yes, we're going to end on episode 71 because we started with the original Common Writer, and Common Writer started in 1971. Perfect. <laughs> it's an appropriate end. It's at a very appropriate end. It's the whole reason why I brought the show back from its hiatus to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you, Elijah Thomas, for giving me that idea. <laughs> Gotta give proper attribution here. But, in light of that, thank you for listening to Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Monster Island Film Vault and our sister podcast, The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise. And where can the lovely, lovely peoples find you, Soundout? You can primarily find me on YouTube.com slash Soundout12 for videos on tokusatsu home media and physical media. Just viewing guides are a new thing I'm doing. Of course, toy reviews as usual. And you can also find me over at hero-club.com because we do interviews with people who work in tokusatsu. We've got some booked up that we haven't released yet, and we have some others on the back burner there. But if you want to come support the site and help us get more interviews, there is a Patreon for Hero Club. And if you want to help support me on my channel, I have uh, channel memberships available. But that is the primary way you can find me is on YouTube because that's my main thing for doing. But I am pretty much on all the other social platforms. If you look for Soundout12, it's likely me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, uh, you're on the X-Twitters and the Instagrams. I follow you on all of them. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So if you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, what are we going to say, Sound Out? Be sure to watch some tokusatsu on Blu-ray today. <laughs>